Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to this iteration of Faster Than a Stand-Up. I'm Brent Lamott. Joining me on our series on agile waterfall and infrastructure, Jim Manzullo, Dale Sackrider, SAP Global Cloud Services. I'm going to now say you're friends of the pod, guys. You've been doing this long enough. Welcome. Thanks for staying around. Thanks for doing this episode. Feels Absolutely. Like thank you. <laughs> so today we're going to talk about behaviors and approaches. We teased that in the last episode. So today it's all about behaviors and approaches. Dale, walk me through, because this was the one thing you wanted to make sure that we covered. Walk me through what you're thinking. I did. So coming from, again, that, that infrastructure um, architecture world at where it's very waterfall driven because it's very end result focused, right? We know exactly what the end result is and we plan it out that way. Um, it, we, we didn't spend as much time uh, focused on behaviors. Uh, and when I got into my agile kind of experience, one of the most unnatural um, experiences for me at the beginning was the working agreement to sure. explicitly talk about how are we going to work together? It felt monotonous. It felt like we're saying things that don't need to be said. And it's like, hey, we'll, things like we'll show up at a meeting on time. It's interesting how many people would, would say, well, you know, I can't always get to the meeting on time. Other meetings run over. You guys have to understand. And then others would be like, no, we need to agree on this. If you don't show up, you're disrespecting my time. And, and getting those explicitly talked about and agreed to because now – the frustration that I would find in a waterfall project three months in where John is mad at Bob because Bob's always three minutes late to the call. Right. And now we align at the very beginning. We say, look, either this is the way or it's not the way I found that to be extremely uh, different than what we had done in the past. And I thought it was extremely valuable. I think everybody should take a page out of that agile book. Right. Yeah, I, I think exactly like when I when I put on my scrum master's hat a, a few years ago and started really getting into it, I thought I'll write the book, I'll go in there, I'll start running all these. It was right when um, Ryan Utech had, had come on board as well. Um, and uh, I, I had uh, I had a very rigid scrum uh, framework in my mind that I had read from the book, but applying it was totally different. Right. And I quickly realized that you have to be more than a scrum master. You're taking a group of individuals and turning them into a team, right? Mm -hmm. There's a difference there that we all know. There's a difference between a group of individuals and a team. And like Dale is saying, that common, that common bond is that working agreement that how are we gonna function as a single unit? That's that artifact that, that you sit down and you craft. And for folks that have been working as in a group type of an environment, coming into a scrum team, that's that's new to them. Like, wait a minute, what are we doing? We, why are we writing this this article? Or why are we adhering to this? And again, that's that mindset shift. That's that's breaking habits and creating new habits. That's kind of not that's that's we're not used to, right? We're we're used to kind of getting to work, punching our card, getting in our cubicles, getting on Skype, going to work, and here here you are in a round on a round table with a bunch of individuals that you see at the office, but now you're, you're talking about how are we going to work together? Well, we've been working together. No, 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 right. no. How are we going to work together as a team on this project? And that's where it, there's an aha moment for some. And then there's some that just struggle with breaking that habit or changing that mindset. And, you know, eventually, you know, through, through team, um, 
through team growth, through education, through shared lexicons. Uh, a majority of the folks eventually come around, but certainly, um, you know, it, it's not just with that product too. You have to also think that you have to push that forward with also those people pillar and process pillars. So in every project right. in my mind's eye, there's three pillars. There's, there's people, process, and product. And those all have to mature at the same speed throughout the life cycle of the model. You can't have one without the other. Otherwise, you're kind of setting yourself up for failure, in my opinion. Right. Um, and there are behaviors in each one of those pillars that have to be addressed and surfaced, whether they're easy to surface and, and or difficult to surface. Sooner or later, they all kind of float up. It's how are we going to deal with it when it's surfaced? And that's where really the mindset training comes into play and those behaviors kick in. Well, and I also think that's part of the challenge as a coach or a scrum master or a consultant, right? Is the, Absolutely. so what tool am I going to pull to get this out of? But one thing I wanted to go back to really quick was talking about working agreements. And it's the challenge between having a team that is just forming and you're doing a liftoff versus a team that already exists. Because there are teams, and we've all worked with them, there are teams that already exist who don't have working agreements, right? They're just a team who does a thing. They've, they've been formed and they never had somebody who was coming in to working with them and figuring out how to set the rules. What's, what's your definition of ready? What's your definition of done? Do you have a working agreement? One of the first teams that I worked with at a prior company, when I walked in the door, it was, so I'm the new scrum master and I want to figure out where are you at? And I said, so where's your last retro last set of retrospective notes you know have you, you got like two or three that i can take a look at just see where the team's at they're like we haven't had one i'm like okay here's a great place to start right so it's bringing in a new set of behaviors and in, and a different approach where you will have a retrospective and we will have the conversation because then i can help figure out where we need to pivot to get better because part of the reason why I'm here is to help you get better. And so I think that, uh, you know, how you have your working agreement set up, if you don't have one, you should get one. And if you have one and you bring in a new member of the team, you should spend a few moments just to reinvest in it, right? If you're sta and going back to the standing on the book that we talked about over the past couple episodes, if you stand on the book and say, well, we have a new member on the team. Let's rework our working agreement. No. How about let's have a conversation to talk through how we can, hey, here's our working agreement. Is there something that the team as a whole wants to maybe investigate changing or have a conversation? That's a 15-minute conversation. That is not a half-day rein reinvent the wheel. So you mentioned stand on the book a few times and yeah. um, I'm learning how you, how you're using and applying that. Right. Yeah. Um, the, the guy that comes into a scrum team, whether it's a new member on an existing team or whether you're standing up a new team with a lot of people that haven't done agile in the past, I feel like I learned a lot because of Ryan Utex um, standing on the book as yeah. we first established that team. So we talk about the, the working agreement and how that was very unnatural for me. Going through the exercise didn't flip the switch and make it make sense to me. Getting a working agreement at the end of that, I didn't go, wow, now I get it. When I got it was two months in when we were using the working agreement to call people out for bad behavior. Right. And 
following the those those behaviors and the and the methods that come with Scrum, where Ryan was like, we're going to stand on the book here. Where and so when somebody would would violate the working agreement, he made it a point to highlight it. He did it in a friendly way, so it didn't necessarily call anybody out or make anybody feel bad. But to reiterate the approach and why the working agreement's important, we all agreed to this, and this isn't happening. So do we need to change the working agreement, or do we need to reiterate the behavior? Him right. doing that really helped turn the switch for me. And not just in that, but in the entire, you know, tool set from, uh, from the Agile uh, Scrum perspective with the backlog and having the daily standup and having the, uh, the, the ceremonies that, are, that we have by being very on the book for those, it took several iterations of us doing that for things to begin to click. And I go, now it makes sense. Now right. I get the value. Well, and one of the things that we talked about in between was how you have to be rigid in the beginning and how it makes sense to be rigid in the beginning. The question that you run into, it, and it's part of the reason why this podcast has always been interesting to me, is talking to people who are brand new versus people who have been around the block, right? And people who are new to the circumstance, it is... So why am I doing this? And I think that the explanation, as, as you just pointed out, the explanation helps them understand once you get it, then if you're open and flexible, then you can actually be more successful than if you stand on the book and are very rigid in your approach. Jim? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan and you corrected me on the pronunciation, so I hope I get it right this time of Shuhari. Right, which is, did I yep. get it right? Yeah, okay, you cool. did. Uh, I love, I love that mindset because I love the way also, Brent, that you, you aligned, uh, imitate, assimilate, and innovate with those three sayings. Right. Yes. I hope I got that right. Yes, but it you stuck did. with me because it's really powerful. Imitate, know those rules. Under, you have to know those rules. That's first and foremost. You need to know them, and then you have to reorder those rules. You have to kind of take them down, look at them and, and kind of find their own place. And then the third step is make it your own, be completely yeah. creative with it and do whatever you need to do to make that a success. Right. And that goes back to exactly what we're talking about right now is like Dale was saying, standing on that book, Ryan is there making sure that you understand those fundamental basics, whether it is in Scrum, whether it's in Waterfall, whether it is Kanban, whatever framework you choose, you have to know those basic fundamentals, right? You can't yeah. sit down and play Monopoly unless you know what Monopoly is, right? right. Uh, and then you can put that, that $500 bill in the middle that, that's not in the rule book that if you land on free parking, everybody gets, right? or, or you yeah. get, right? But yeah. that's, that's part of it, right? You, you, have to, you have to stand on that book first and foremost, so. Yeah, and I want to give another shout out to Ryan because Ryan Utech, friend of the pod, hooked us all up. So thanks, Ryan. And also the Shuhari, we actually have an episode on Shuhari. Go search through your podcast provider or for those of you within SAP, you know, scroll up on our site so that you can see the Shuhari episode because there's a lot of good content in there. Dale? Yeah, well, I, you know, Jim mentioned waterfall and I wanted to, let's bring us back and remind everybody this conversation is, you know, agile and waterfall. Right. So as we're talking about standing on the book, uh, I don't think this is, we should leave off those waterfall guys, those, those infrastructure guys, but hopefully they find this podcast and find it valuable that 
I, it's, it's not go learn Scrum as opposed to Waterfall, but I believe there's a lot of behaviors in Scrum in Agile, like the working agreement that we need to apply, whether we're doing Waterfall or any other approach. And so it's, it's learn these things and then see how, they, how you use these as tools in, in a common toolbox, not, not this is for my Agile projects and this is for my Waterfall projects, but what are the things that, that we can make work no matter what project you're on. So we talked earlier offline, uh, Brent, about the escalation path. In, yes. a, in, a, in a waterfall project, you have a clear escalation when certain things break. And what my experience has been in an agile is that through the working agreement, you have some escalation soft spots where it's like to, to avoid getting to that breaking point. You have some behavioral things that you do. You have some discussions that you do to escalate um, to get to where you need to get to a resolution of conflict that happen that aren't explicit in uh, waterfall without creating that working agreement. Things like that to me, pull that into our toolbox, no matter what kind of framework you're going to use, let's grab the things that work and add them to our toolbox. Right, right. No, and you know, honestly, I think that's a great place for us to finish because we're almost at time. So until the next iteration, I'm Brent. I'm Jim. And I'm Dale. Until the next iteration, you can give us a rating at your podcast provider. Shoot us an email at info at fasterthanstandup.com or find us on Twitter at Faster Standup. Thanks for listening. And that was faster than stand up. <laughs> <laughs>